0: Welcome to Agora Sports Network, a community that connects and unites past and present Olympians to positively impact youth sport athletes and their families. Every Tuesday, we'll launch a new podcast where past and present Olympians share their experiences, challenges, and lessons learned on their journey to living happy and healthy lifestyles. My name is Mary Uran, a former executive director of Girls on the Run and currently a managing director of Compass Pro Bono in addition to being a wife and mother of three kids. It's my pleasure to introduce you to Carrie Tollebson, a member of the 2004 Olympic team running the 1500 meters. In addition, she's a wife, mother of three kids under the age of 14, a weekly podcast host of C Tally Run, and a commentator and analyst for such news outlets as ESPN2 and NBC. Welcome, Carrie. Actually, I know a lot about like your current day life. But first, I want to take us back to hearing about your Olympic experience. Oh, man. So tell (laughs) a long time ago. So I have to get my mind right. Yeah. So bring (laughs) us back to 2004 and the events leading up to it. Tell us a little bit about your Olympic experience. Yeah, I mean, I loved
1: the Olympics. It was, you know, it was a long time coming. It was something that I thought about for many, many years. Um, But I'll never forget the opening ceremonies. I mean, I'm just gonna go right into that moment because it was probably one of my favorite moments of my life, to be honest. You know, I loved racing there, but I think that was that first time where I really realized that I made it. And not only did I make it, but my family made it, and my friends and family from all around the world, my teammates, my coaches, like all these people, we, it was a collaborative effort. It wasn't just me. That Olympic ceremony, the opening ceremony was so special. I had LeBron James behind me. That's so amazing. He was young and just starting his professional career. And I remember thinking, I'm crying here. I'm like losing my mind. I'm wearing the red, white, and blue. And I looked back because we had these little cameras and we, I went back and I went around and looked, got like a 360 view and his tears were streaming down his You know, he's six, seven, he's
0: huge and has everything going for him. And he was equally as excited. So I still get a little bit like emotional talking about it. That sense of awe, right? And you were in Greece where it all started. So there's something extra special. I imagine being there. Really cool. They
1: had all the um, signs on the light poles and it all said, welcome home. Because
0: that's where it all started. Yeah. So it was really special. So take me even further back. What sports did you play in elementary, middle, high school? And uh, did you compete in college? I did compete from the age of probably
1: five on. I was the youngest of three girls in my family and my two older sisters were in everything. Music, acting, every sport you could think of. My dad was a college football player. My mom did not have the opportunity to compete. But she would have been a heck of an athlete. she was she was the loudest one in the in the audience, and she still is to this day. I believe that. Every play that everyone has to run, she knows every lap that we needed to run, like she just was a true sports mom all the way. So for me, being kind of the last one in my family, I had to do it all. Basketball was kind of my big sport. Like I loved basketball. I thought it was going to be a basketball. I didn't know that. My center actually went and played pro before the WNBA. She went over and played over in Poland and in Greece and all all over the place. That was my main thing. I played basketball, but we played tennis and golf and um, volleyball, all of it, because I grew up in a real small town. Yeah, so, that was the only thing to do, right? only thing to do was to play sports,
0: be in music, be in plays, do it all. So at what point did you know that track and field and cross country were gonna be kind of your sport?
1: You know, I think early on, I didn't really know that was gonna be my sport. As I said, I wanted to be a basketball player, but when I started to win and I won at an early age, I have these young kids now and I don't wanna put the emphasis on winning, but when you win, it kind of is an eye-opener. Like, oh wait, I am good at something and it feels really good. And I like to work hard to wanna win again. And so I think that's really where I learned that I had something different than other people. And I was 12 years old when that happened.
0: And was that somebody like a coach or your parents that saw that? Or was that really intrinsically sought out? That's a good question, because I can remember
1: rumblings on the side. I can visualize and like really remember people talking about me without me really knowing what was going on right now I was a true 12 year old like I grew up in this era where we didn't have phones and we didn't have all this stuff but I knew that I was good at something but nobody put any pressure on me they were wondering what do I do with this kid right you know I mean I was running really fast at a very young age with very little training and from this town of you know 1,600, like I said. I always say 1,600 because that was one of my favorite distances. That's what you run in high school, the 1,600 and the 3,200. That's your lucky number. Yes. 1,600. So I knew early on, but I didn't really get it. But I could see people talking about it.
0: And when did you realize that the Olympics were a realistic goal for you? Probably not until college. You know, I went to Villanova University,
1: which was a long ways away from being that far away from home. I think that was the first step not that I knew I was going to make the Olympic team, right? But I think my family, my coaches, they were like, "Okay, let's get you to the best school in the country," which Villanova was at the time. And when I went out there, I think when I saw the history and all the athletes that had been to the Olympics, that's really where the dream for me started. Yes, I thought about being FloJo, right? I mean, who didn't yeah. at that time in my when I was growing up? I thought about being, you know, other athletes, but. I don't think I thought about being in the Olympic Games until I really went out to Villanova and saw it could be a reality. And how did you pursue it after college? What were the steps that you took? Yeah, when I was at Villanova, we, you know, once you win an NCAA championship, that kind of opens the door to agents and, and like shoe companies showing a little interest. And so I had other athletes that were now pro that I could follow in their footsteps or think about being a professional runner who would then go on to make the Olympic teams. I think my junior year after I won my first NCAA championship I was like, "Oh, I could be like Jen Rines who was a Villanova athlete, went on to make three Olympic teams. Amazing." And um I think really, you know, it was like, "Well, if she can, why not me?" And I think that's how I always was. If my sisters could, why not me? Or if my teammates could, why not me? And so I just wanted to,
0: I wanted to be like everybody else, but I also wanted to still be true to myself too. That makes sense. What were some of the most significant sacrifices that you made to number one, go to college so far away and compete at that level, and then ultimately to make it to the Olympics? Sacrifices was a tough word for me. I, you know, I grew up in a pretty normal household. I mean, we had a lot of love in that house and we had a lot of fun. I imagine though that like during college, especially, You didn't get to go, maybe go out and have fun like all the other college students you were trying to get academics done and then train hard. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, college was not easy for me my first year. Um, I was
1: really homesick. I missed being in this small, tight community that just lifted everybody up going that far away from home was tough on me. Grades were hard. The You know, studying was hard the first semester. I missed the first week of school because I went to the Pan American Games. And I came back and I went to my first class and I had a test. I hadn't even had the book. I didn't even have a pencil. I had nothing with me. And it just kind of spiraled. Like, I just got nervous. I was... So, I did not do anything fun, yeah. which I think, again, snowballed for me. Um, instead of going out for Halloween, I stayed home to study because I wanted to make sure I wasn't You know, getting bad grades on tests and my coaches are like, go out for Halloween, like go do some fun things. But I guess one of the sacrifices, if I can use that word, that I have done my entire life is I'm an alcohol free, drug free athlete. And I actually really loved it. Like, so even though my sacrifices at first were like, oh, I'm not going to drink because I don't want to miss my Saturday morning run or I don't want to go out and party because I want to have enough sleep so I can get up and run. I always thought that way. But it ended up being more fun for me because I just drove everybody home and I never stood in line for a drink. I was always on the dance floor the longest. Yeah. I was going to say you, your life doesn't (laughs) lack fun at all, knowing you. And that's what I hope like my kids understand is sport is amazing and it gives you so many great talents in life, you know, like you don't have to be a great athlete to understand how to get something really good out of yourself. So, yeah, I mean, and I didn't need to be an athlete that couldn't have fun without going and partying. I went and partied. I just did it a different way. The sacrificing was fun for me at times, if that's the word I want to use. Yeah. You know, I liked doing it. It almost got me excited to be better. It's a good
0: reframe. Yeah. So how did you handle any surprising or unexpected challenges that you faced? You know, I, as I said, I grew up in this really tight family.
1: And so first and foremost, if I had anything that came my way, it was a phone call home. And I'm very blessed. You know, a lot of People don't have that or they don't have that kind of relationship. And so my mom and dad, I always say, if I could be parents like they are, I just, my kids will be so lucky. I just love them so much. And my sisters too. They were right there in my corner all the way. I'm sure it was annoying for them. Like to have the youngest sister, you know, first and foremost, my sister, Cammie, my middle sister, she's a very good athlete. And in my first race, I beat her
0: as a 12 year old, 17 year
1: old. And she was kind of the superstars. She sat me down after that race and said, don't you ever sit on anyone's shoulder again? Because I did. I didn't know what to do. She looked at me in the race and said, go uh, run your race. And I will never forget that
0: conversation. And that's how both my sisters are. I think we just have this really nice bond. How has the Olympic experience shaped your perspective on sports, competition and life in general? Mm. I think the way I made my Olympic team has really I guess,
1: shape me because I missed the team in the 5,000 meters, which was my main event. I had run the Olympic standard, which we have to do in our sport. We have to run the Olympic time and you have to place in the top three in our country. So I missed the team in the 5,000. I had just run 1504. At that time, it was the seventh fastest time ever. So like everyone thought I was going, my agent, my, my sponsors, my family, my coaches, everyone. They all thought they were going to see me run the 5,000. And we all know sport, right? Things happen and I ended up placing sixth. So I was way out of it, yeah. And then I came back and won the 1500, which was not my main event. I think that just by me showing myself that I can come back from such heartache. You know, people talk about being Olympian and you do think about it for many, many years. Like I said, I didn't think about it necessarily as a 12 year old, but there were probably thoughts like, oh, it would be really cool to be on that track team one day, or maybe it was the basketball team, whatever. But when I didn't make it, I think that's really where I noticed how much sport meant to me. I was like, I have to wait another four years. I don't know if I can do that, you know, to come back from such low in really, it was only like six days later, I really surprised myself and my entire family. So I think I've really held on to that moment of being able to fight back and to believe in yourself, even when it isn't maybe the the perfect path. What did you do in the six days in between? So I had another race. I had to run the prelim for the fifteen hundred, but I did go away and we went to a movie. I think it was um, Anchorman.
0: <laughs> yes, I we had to go, go find some comedic relief. relief. Yeah. yeah, so I was like, oh, that's a perfect,
1: you know, Will Ferrell. Let's go watch him take some. Um, take my mind off of the disappointment. My mom and dad actually changed their trip. My husband stayed out. My sisters had to leave because it was such a big time in between, but everyone stayed and supported me. And we drove up the coast. Uh, We went, we were in Sacramento. So we went on the coast and just like got away for a second. And then we got back in to Sacramento and we reframed my, my mind and was like, okay, I am very good at this 1500, even if it's not my main event.
0: And let's give it a go. That is such a lesson learned, right? A life lesson that I'm sure you'll take with you is that you envision something happening and then yeah, plan B is going to have to be the one that you do, right?
1: This episode is brought to you by our friends at Don Pablo Coffee. If you're interested in quality coffee, fresh to order, roasted in small batches, in the timeless Latin American traditions of roasting, then Don Pablo Coffee is for you. Check them out at donpablocoffee.com and use the promo code AGORA at checkout for additional savings off your first order.
0: So looking back, is there anything you wish you knew or would have done differently on your road to the Olympics other than win that 5,000? Yeah, I would have loved to have won that 5,000, but I am really
1: thankful for the win in the 1500. I feel like that really did change my life. Something about it—it it just showing me what I'm, I can do, what I'm capable of. But I think going back, I would be a little bit easier on myself at times. You know, I had some injuries along the way, that was tough because I was so hard on myself, and I didn't really allow the process to fully take shape. It just, I wanted to be right where I was before I got injured. So right. if I could tell any athlete, any parent, any coach out there to just. Just take a step back on that, those times where you have to just let the body catch up a little bit with the heart and mind. Um, It's a really hard thing to do as an athlete, but I wish I had more patience.
0: Yeah, it seems almost like injury is part of the process, right? Like if you can expect it, that you're gonna have those types of setbacks, then at least you'll be able to weather it a little bit easier it can be a huge setback but i always feel like i came back a better athlete which
1: seems crazy but mentally i was a little bit more tough mentally i was a little bit more sharp and focused physically i worked on other things so maybe it was a little bit more agility or i i was a swimmer when i wasn't swimming beforehand i lifted harder like i just felt like if i could you know reshape my mind to believe that i was better because of it i would have
0: I would have been easier on myself, I think. Were you a broadcast major in college or what w- that was your major? Yeah, okay. communications major. So tell me about what led you to your current career in broadcasting and, you know, what you did after the Olympics to get you to where you are as a podcast host. And you're all over broadcasting at the Boston Marathon, things like that. Well, when I was still early on in my professional career, I was being
1: interviewed because I had placed second at the USATF cross-country championships. And the man, Tony Revis, he is an amazing guy and I love him. He was interviewing me and I said, Tony, one day I would love to have your job. There are no females in this room or in this field. And he was he remembered. And within like two months, he was like, Carrie, I need a co-host and I need you to come. And I was still heavily like just in my career, like just trying to start training and do all stuff. So he like made it work for me because he was a runner at one point. And then he got into broadcast and he was like, whatever you need, I'll get you to your hill for your hill repeats, but then we're gonna get in the studio. And then, you know, I need you to go here and there. And he just, he made it work. If I couldn't do it, no big deal, but he was gonna keep asking. And so big shout out to Tony Revis for hearing that I wanted to be a female voice and I wanted to get us in this industry. And now there's quite a few and it's been really fun.
0: Yeah, God is amazing. <laughs> You were the first female to host a press conference at the Boston Marathon. Yeah, just this last year. Tell me about that moment. That was really
1: cool. I mean, they have had females working it, right? But I got to be the one to ask all the elite athletes. Eliud Kipchoge, the fastest man in the world, was in the room. And that was a really big thing for him to race. And so, yeah, it was pretty special. And I just feel like we are, you know, in this era where we're really making a big change and we're really seeing that females are awesome and we should be doing everything we possibly can to, to toot our horns because we belong. And yeah, I mean, sport has given me this this confidence to be able to stand up when that red light goes on, not be afraid. And if I say something wrong, okay, I'm going to
0: fix it or life is short, just go for it. Yeah. Not be worried about making a no mistake. such thing as perfection, right? Yeah. And then we're here where you are leading the way in female broadcasting and things like that. It's exciting to think about where our daughters as yeah. will go in the world of sport. I know, I think of that a lot. And, you know,
1: Ruby and Colette and Crosby, your son, and, you know, Georgia, they're like, they're with my kids all the time and they constantly are just like thinking about what's next. And I think Ruby and Colette are really right there. Like they see that you, had all these young girls looking up to you and saying, what's next? Mary, where are we going to go? What race are we running or what can we do in our workouts? And I think that is the best thing. Like I never had anybody really in a female role doing that. Yep. You know, I had a lot of guy coaches. I love my guy coaches. (laughs) But they play a role. We will admit that. They play a huge role. And I I am, you know, we have so many allies in our corner, but it's been really fun to see that our girls expect to see females. Yes.
0: Yes, I can't wait to see, especially with, you know, we're watching women's soccer happen right now. And, you know, sponsors are being told that people wanna watch women's sports and that we want to have easy access to be able to watch it. So I think that we're at a tipping point right now. And I am fortunate in my sport, there's a couple different things like difference in distance
1: still, like for the NCAAs, the men run a little longer than the women. I'm okay with that as a middle distance runner, but some of the longer distance runners are like, why is that? And if the reasoning is different, you know, if it's because they don't think we can run that far, well, then for sure I'm not for it. But as an athlete right now, I'm for it. Um, But even in the world of road racing, you know, typically the prize money is the same. Now, what negotiations are being done might be different, right? I am
0: very fortunate in my sport. I'm proud of my sport. That's great. Continuing to talk about our kids and life as a mom. Yes. Are your kids athletes? They are athletes. Ruby is running now. She's a Nordic skier. She's a basketball player.
1: Um, And our boys are just super busy. Everett is 10 and he's in everything you can possibly think of. And Greer is that third child. Everyone said, are you going to have how many kids are you going to have? My sister said, think long and hard about just two because they each have three. I was like, I am having three as many as possible. I, yeah. I was third. So
0: my third is a lot like I think I'm seeing you know, a lot in him of what maybe I was. So he's trying it all. So do your kids have aspirations to be an Olympian? And do they mm-hmm. do, do they know your story and think it's cool that you went to the Olympics? They definitely know the story and they do think it's cool. I mean, every now and then they'll remind me. And I
1: love that, to be yeah. honest. Um, But there have been times, to be quite honest, like Ruby has said, Mom, I'm not you. And I get that. You know, there's people that say, Ruby, are you going to be a runner like your mom? And I think she wants to be a runner like Ruby. Yeah. You know, I think there are times when she would love to be a runner like I am. But she wants to be her person. And that's maybe my parenting to her. Like, you don't have to run like I did. If you
0: want to, go for it. But you don't have to run like I did. That's so, amazing. Did you try to play it cool at first? Like you can run if you want to oh, and then sure. really like really wanted oh, her well, to yes. be in track in cross country. Yeah. It was a year ago
1: this summer when she was started cross country as a seventh grader. And I said, please do not go out, to, go out for this sport for me because this is not a sport that you can do and take timeouts and just do it kind of pathways. So you have to go all in. And so I think that that was um, a really good conversation for us to have and she's absolutely loved it. Maybe not so much like the actual race itself at times but she loves the community and I think that's why I'm still a runner today. It's the community.
0: So what types of life lessons do you hope that your kids will learn through sport? Oh just how tough you can be. You know you don't have to be the first to cross the line or It
1: doesn't matter if you get in every game, but when you are tough, actually, I feel like practice is really where you learn about yourself because that is that you don't have that gratification of winning, right? So you have to work hard. You got to dig deep in that fourth rep or you got to go hard when you're doing your last cruncher and practice and basketball and things like that. So I feel like that's really where you learn about yourself. We have a lot of conversations about that. And even just like holding your head high when you
0: make a mistake or you strike out. I think it's so important. I think it is so important that sport teaches kids that you can try and not do well, but keep practicing. That I think, especially with young girls, they are expected to be perfect or they're really putting pressure on themselves for perfection and that Mm -hmm. sport can teach you, you know, repetition and what you put into it is the most important thing. I always
1: said 24 hours. I had 24 hours after a really big event to kind of like, Get all the emotions out and you got to get back in there.
0: So what are some strategies for helping your kid manage stress and performance anxiety related to sports competition? So thinking of especially Ruby, who's like she competes with high schoolers right now. So how do you help her manage that stress and anxiety? You know, I think I'm trying really to let her be, you know,
1: her and just if she is nervous, like figuring that out. I remember my parents, they would let me be, you know, like they they would let me be nervous because nerves help performance a lot of times. So there wasn't any like they weren't trying to tell me I couldn't be nervous or don't be this or that. They let me be. So I'm trying really hard. But it is so hard not to be like, well, this is what I did or this is what you should do. Yeah. Um, and I what I love about Ru is she'll say, Mom, what did you do? And then it's like, OK, I can give her my examples. Yeah. So she doesn't have to feel like I'm constantly like thinking about me. I'm sure she'd say, no, you tell me many stories, mom, and you do refer to yourself a lot. <laughs> but I, I want her to come to me and say, what what should I do? And she does. So I don't like seeing her nervous, but I also secretly like really miss that. Yeah. I don't get that kind of nerve, nerves again. Like uh, when I'm on camera, I get nervous, but I don't get that real hard, like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do right now? I think like, I might throw up. Yeah. I'm going to push my body harder than I've ever pushed
0: it. And so I love that she's there now, yep. It's super- and knowing what to do to self-regulate yeah, in that moment, that's going to serve her so well yeah. for getting nervous to go to college or for sure. something in her that. first job, all of that. Yeah, yeah. So how can I balance my kids' academic responsibilities and other activities with sports? Well, I think for us, I mean, obviously academics have to come first, even though it's hard.
1: I mean, as a sport mom, like, oh, I want to talk about the run way more than I want to talk about English. Yes, but we have to remember that, right? So I we try to, Put that priority first is making sure that we get our homework done. But I would have to say, like, I just want to have these kids that have fun in life. And so that's we just keep it light. You know, you don't get the best grade on the test. There's always going to be another one. Or you go in and have those conversations with your teacher to see what you can do to maybe help with the grade. Like, I think that just making sure that these kids don't feel the pressure at home, at school, in practice, because these kids do. It's different. It is definitely different than it was when we grew up. It is. I want them to be kids, you know. I want them to have fun and be goofy. And I want them to actually... I don't like the word fail. I really never use the word fail. But I want them to see that disappointment is okay. Yeah. You know, not getting the best grade or not performing the best is okay. Because guess what? It probably won't happen again. Like, you will not get that same grade. Or you might get beat the same way, but you maybe tried something different. Like, it's just... I think disappointment is
0: really important in life. And so we can learn a lot from it. And you can look back and say, I made it through that so I can try something new. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yep. Okay, Mom to mom, what advice would you give to all those youth, high school or college sport moms out there? Oh, my goodness. Love your kids. It's just having that like the safe space at home where you walk in. Yes. So, you know, that someone's always going to support you, whatever you did that day or doing that safe space. Yeah, Yeah, it isn't at
1: home. You know, find your coach, find your music teacher who might not know anything about sports, but they are the one that will lift you up. I think that's the big thing for me is finding that community, that small group of friends or whatever. I had a lot of friends that weren't athletes, but they were the loudest ones to yell for me. Yeah, they had no clue. They would get on a bike, and ride with me if I needed a training partner. You know, those people, find them in life.
0: Okay, what one piece of advice would you give modern current day youth sport athletes? Believe, I think. Believe in yourself, believe in your team around you, believe in your friendships.
1: I think that I always think of the glass as half full rather than half empty. And we in, I think in general, think of things as the glass is half empty. Yeah. So I want people to believe in themselves, believe in what they want to achieve. Because yeah.
0: if you don't quite get there, at least you're trying. What's one thing that you'd tell your amateur sports self? Oh. The ride is so much fun. Yeah. I mean, it's a roller coaster. The
1: ups and the downs, all the turns. It is just so much fun. Obviously, I live this fun life now, but I miss that part of it, of the training, the racing, the the injuries, you know, the highs, the lows. I, I had an agent who was a phenomenal athlete and great friend of mine. He said, you know, remember the highs because we we have very few of them yeah. you know we're always kind of fighting to get to those highs and so i want to remember that but i remember the journey the most and that was i, I missed that
0: thank you so much for talking to me today oh my goodness! thank you for inspiring a whole another generation of athletes and yeah. moms and i'm excited to hear more from you as we bring in other olympic athletes i know thanks so much for doing this mary Thanks for joining us today on the Agora Sports Network, an engaging series where past and present Olympians share their experiences, challenges, and lessons learned. Our goal, to inform and inspire youth, high school, and college athletes and their families. Join us as we positively impact the world of youth sport. Visit us online at agorasportsnetwork.com.
1: Subscribe to our email list to be the first to know about Agora News and to get exclusive content.